0: Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in honor of Rabbi Friedman and the entire 6.45 a.m. Gemara Class. Sponsored anonymously. Hazaku Baruch. Breakfast on the Class also dedicated in loving memory of Jacob Ini's father, Shaul Ini. alev shalom leilu nishmat Victoria. Sponsored by Jag, Zabidi, and family. Breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of David Barmocha, L'ilu Nishmat David Metzaada, from his wife Sylvia, children, Yigal Asher, Roni, Yossi, Nir, and Shiran and family. And the Week of Cobra was sponsored by Hai Y. Daniel, and as well by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, I want to quote to you a very strange line uh, from this week's parashah which I think gives us a beautiful way of looking at the daily occurrences that we come across in this interesting world that we live in. I'd like to, stay, I'd like to start by saying, Happy Thanksgiving. <inaudible> HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bless us always to experience Galut in the way that we're experiencing it here in America, which with all of its faults is better than any other place we've ever been. Uh, <inaudible> HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bless us always to be safe, uh, and, to be, uh, and to be aware of the fact that while it's beautiful here and we have much to give thanks for over here, ultimately, this is not our home. Our home is in the land of Eretz Israel, and we can never forget that we are guests and sojourners in a foreign land and where do we belong? Not to get comfortable in a place where we are thankful to be. Not to get comfortable there, but to remember that we want to go all the way uh, back to Yerushalayim to be, once again, at the coming of Mashiach, mei amenu, amen. Let's begin. The Pasuk tells us that when the, Jew, the, brothers, the, the brothers sold Yosef, suddenly the uh, people who were passing by, the merchants were passing by, and the brothers wanted to sell Joseph, and they looked up and they saw, oh my gosh, here are these merchants. Why don't we sell them to the merchants? And that way, instead of us doing anything to our brother, we don't have to lay a finger on him. Um, all the job will get done. He'll be out of our lives. We'll be able to move on. We don't have to worry about competition for the affection of our father. It's a, a match made in heaven, a solution engineered uh, for us. And The pasuk says that these people were carrying sorry um, valot. They were carrying uh, different types of sweet-smelling spices. Rashi says, why is it important for, them to, for the pasuk to tell us what they were carrying in this caravan. Who cares what goods they were selling? Why is that relevant? What was in the back of their pickup truck when they, uh, when they kidnapped Yosef, when, they sold, when the brothers sold him uh, to, to, uh, into slavery? And he answers, and this is quotes the Gemara. The Gemara says, You see from here, Matan secharan shel tzaddikim. You see from here the reward of the tzaddikim that normally... What do Arab traders carry, at least at the time? They carried neft, they carried aiteran, they carried things that were very foul-smelling, fuel sources, not much has changed like they say, okay? And still, Rabotai, even though that was their normal cargo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged that the, the pickup truck, yani, the caravan that was, picked, that was taking Yosef down to Egypt, that caravan should be carrying something else. Why? Because that is matan tzicharan shal tzadikim. That is the the payment that gets paid back to tzadikim. And the question that everybody asks is, that's matan tzicharan shal tzadikim? He's being sold into slavery. He doesn't know what will become of him. He's alone in the world. His father, the only person that really loves him, thinks he's dead. Everyone else happy that he's gone? Good riddance. What in the world are we talking about? This is the reward of the tzaddikim. If that's the reward of the tzaddikim, <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> My friends, I saw a magnificent answer, a magnificent response. And the way he explained it, I cannot remember at the, the minute who it was, who was that wrote this answer. But he wrote that there are two knives that cut a person open. The knife of a mugger of a thief and the knife of a surgeon. And although both of these knives cut a person open, the intent could not be more different from one knife to the other. How do you tell the difference between the knife of a thief and the knife of a surgeon? A knife that helps and a knife that heals versus a knife that hurts and a knife that kills? He says you can tell in the way you're being Cut. Is the person stabbing you with an old rusty knife? Is it clean? Is it sterile? Is the cut precise? Is it jagged? Is the guy dragging the knife down? The surgeon, when he cuts, it's very precise. In fact, many surgeons, before they'll even do the surgery, they'll take a little marker and they'll make a little X, they'll make another X and they'll draw a line like they know where they're cutting. They don't want to cut one drop out of the line. Not one bit longer than they have to. Not one drop of healing that you'll need to undergo through at the end uh, that, that's unnecessary. My friends, ladat matan سِحَرَانْ شَلْ sadikim, To understand the reward of the Sadiqim, That if something needed to happen to Yosef, what needed to happen to Yosef would happen. But not one inch more, not one drop more of pain, not one drop more of uh, of, uh, a discomfort. And if on the way down to Egypt, being sold as a slave, he could be sold with a good-smelling kidnapping vehicle or a bad-smelling kidnapping vehicle, Hashem made the X, drew the line, made the X, exactly what needed to happen, not a drop more. That's one way of understanding this differential of the knife of a surgeon and the knife of a thief. But my friends, There's one other part as well. And the other part is that Yosef As-Sadiq, at that moment in time, he was filled with all sorts of despair. All sorts of questions, doubts, anger, pain, suffering. He feels like he's the most lonely person in the world. Literally, he's alone. What did he need more than anything else at that moment? To feel that there was someone who cared. There was someone who looked out. And all of a sudden, a bunch of Arabs that normally sell Itiran e Tehran Vaneft are selling tsari velot. I'd like to give the equivalent. Imagine someone, big burly guy, enormous. He's wearing a t-shirt, a cutoff. You see his arms come out, right? He's, you know, he's what's it called, beefy guy. You know, he's walking down the street, very cool, very powerful, very macho. Gets in his car, and he starts playing some, you know, boy band music. You look at the guy. Or, or you know, he gets in the car, he fires, he's a big, fat pickup truck. He revs in, ooh, ooh, turns on the car. And what's playing on, this, on the radio? Baby shark, doo-doo-doo-doo, baby. Right? It's, it's ludicrous, correct? It's so out. It's so out of what you'd expect to see that actually draws your attention. (inaudible) Matan secharan shel tzadikim was that Yosef felt in that moment. Oh my gosh, Hashem found me. The only Arabs in this area that sell sweet-smelling spices. Someone's looking out for me. I have someone in my corner. How magnificent! My friends, I want to add one point before I widen this. There was once a rabbi who went with his brother, a religious man, to go out in the middle of the sticks in Israel. He went to Dimona, otherwise known as Dimona. He went to Dimona. You remember that? (laughs) Ali Me Dimona. Okay, fine. He went to Dimona. (laughs) that's like a proper inside joke by the way most of the people listening to this podcast around the world are like what in the world is that you know All right, Google it I'm Nimi Dimona alright either way point, point is the book's notwithstanding they go to Dimona and his, his brother is going to buy an apartment and they sit down and who who's selling this apartment it's four brothers who got the apartment as a Yerusha they inherited it from their mom or from their dad and they were selling the apartment together, so it's complicated because it was a. It, would, it came to them uh, as an inheritance. Everyone needed to sign. They need to go to the lawyer. Every document needed to sign by four people. The tabo from here till tomorrow. It's balagan. Yalla, balagan. They're signing papers for an hour, for two hours. So the rabbi's sitting there with his with his uh, brother, and they're signing. they sign. So they started talking to these guys. Hey, what's your name? What do you do? First guy says, I sell falafel from a cart on the street. Second guy, what does he do? Nagmonit. Third brother, what does he do? He's a carpenter. Fourth brother, they ask him, what do you do? He says, I'm an, an officer in the Air Force. Now, you have to understand, in Israel, where everyone goes through the army, you're kind of classified who you are by what you did in the army. Like, how good were you? How, what position did you get? Because the army recognizes talent, brains, you know, and they promote people. If you're in the Air Force Bechlal, it means that you're a very chashuv guy, or at least that you're Ashkenaz. <laughs> we have one right here, okay, right? So it means that you're a rab Oyster, It means that you're okay. <laughs> It means that they think, they think highly of you. So the rabbi, he's looking at three brothers, how make making falafel. This guy's a, uh, he drives a taxi. The next guy is, I mean, all good, wonderful, honest business. But like they say in Israel, amcha. You know, run of the mill, salt of the earth, regular guys. And one guy is an overachiever. So he looks at one of them and he says, what's going on over here? Why is it that you came, that this is something that you've done? And the other guy, and the other three of them, like, you know, didn't how come what was the difference you all came from the same house and the brother the oldest brother says or the brother that was i don't know if he was the oldest the brother who was a pilot says he says listen because it's true we all came from the same house it's true he says but i was always someone that dreamed of doing bigger things my whole life i always from the time i was a kid i thought of things that i wanted to do things i wanted to achieve i set for myself goals i challenged myself my brothers, you know, and he looked at them. He goes, Zenachon. You're right. You know, other guy, like liked to have a coffee and a cigarette. The other guy, coffee and a cigarette. Other guy, coffee and a cigarette. Had that sitting there in the gym. You know, he's running, he's staying in the best shape that he can. He's taking extra courses after school. He's doing, he was always a go-getter, always trying to set big uh, dreams and big goals for himself. So he said so that's what happened in life too anyway the rabbi listens to the story he says oh very interesting he said thought you know what an interesting musar you know rabbi you know people always ask me rabbi how come you have so many stories that happen to you and i always say it's not that i have more stories happen to me it's that because i'm speaking all the time and teaching lessons so my eyes are open to lessons that i'm learning throughout the day because that's how my brain works i don't have any more stories than anyone else It's just that I remember them and I notice these things because that's my my job, that's my profession, that's my dream, that's my passion. Anyway, so the rabbi files it away. He says, wow, what an interesting family here. What an interesting story. And he thinks, you know, what? one day I have to speak about this. I gotta tell the people the difference between someone who lives with a dream and someone who lives with a coffee and a cigarette. Anyway, rabbi very quickly forgets the story. He goes back to the yeshiva he's teaching weeks go by months go by years go by and then one day the rabbi feels in the yeshiva they need a pep talk so he gathers all the boys in the dining room and he's giving them pep talk and he says all of a sudden he remembers this exact story falls in his head out of nowhere he's like oh they're perfect this is what i'm going to talk about he starts talking to the boys he says look guys nobody is doing anything wrong everybody's here in yeshiva they're all studying Everyone's learning Torah, Oh, praying. He says, but are you praying with a coffee and a cigarette? No one should have a cigarette. I never smoked a cigarette in my life. I call them cancer sticks. Okay? Are you studying with a cup of coffee and a cigarette? You understand? Are you relaxing like this? Or are you sitting forward in your chair? Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Moshe Feinstein, should just know when he would study Torah, he would never ever, mechila, He would never ever even lean back, so his back would touch the back of the chair. That's relaxing, lean forward. He used to sit on a bench, or if he sat on a chair, he sat forward without leaning back when he was studying. Are you into it? You ever see you reading a document, all of a sudden the IRS says you owe uh, $10,000 more than you thought you did, all of a sudden what do you do? Without even thinking, you're like, what? Right? No one goes, what? (laughs) nobody does that right if you're interested if you're excited if so you're energized by something you lean into it right so Moshe did the same thing anyway so the rabbi is saying to the guys look everybody's doing wonderful but how are you learning are you excited do you have a goal for how much you want to study how much you want to accomplish how much you want to develop as a person are you thinking forward are you moving forward in your mind you know and he says let me tell you about these four guys that I once met many years ago and he's telling them about all these brothers and the first one is Falafel balls, second guy, taxi driver, third guy, carpenter, fourth guy, wow, pilot, office, pilot officers in the, in the Air Force, unbelievable, and he asked them, what's the difference, what's the difference? Good idea, he's talking about goals, about being excited, all of a sudden a boy in the back of the room raises his hand, he says, Rabbi, he says, that carpenter is my father. <laughs> Sometimes a rabbi, I have to tell you, <laughs> you're like, Shemay Israel. <laughs> you're gonna send me one of the boys, you can send me the pilot's son. <laughs> so he starts to like dial it back, like you know, he's trying to fix the story, he's trying to like, you know, maybe the guy's upset. Hey, he finishes the class as best he could, what's he gonna do, Is what it is. The boy comes up to him afterwards and he's shaking. He says, what's the matter? Boy says, you know, I didn't grow up religious. You remember my father and his brothers. None of them were religious. I did not grow up religious. I started coming slowly more and more towards Judaism. And then he says, and then I decided that I need to go to a yeshiva. If I want to understand anything, I want to know the Torah, the halakha, I want to start to know how to study, I have to go somewhere. He says, but I didn't know where to go. And someone told me to come to this yeshiva. And he says, and last night I came to this yeshiva. And I asked Boré Olam, I said, I don't know if this is the right place for me, if this is where I should grow, if this is where I should come, if this is gonna be appropriate, if I'm gonna be able to survive here, please Hashem, send me a sign that this is my place. And the very next morning, the rabbi walks into the room and starts literally describing every member of my family and talking about the importance of setting goals, of being excited to do something, Not just sitting back, chilled in life, but moving forward with energy towards the goals that you set for yourself. I want to thank you, Rabbi. He says, you don't know how what you've done for me, how relaxed I am knowing that Hashem is with me in this journey, that I'm ready to be able uh, to move forward to the next step. Think about the fact how many years had to go by, how the apartment should be sold not by the parents, but by the sons. By that time, the boy was already born. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu was already arranging that the guy who's buying the apartment's brother, who's a rabbi, comes to the meeting, asks them, notices the difference in their jobs, you know, even though they came from the same house, asks them the question, gets the answer, holds onto the story, doesn't say it, remembers it on that morning, shares it for the first time in the yeshiva, and in the crowd is the son. And he says, and now I know, I need to move, I need to do, I need to achieve, I need to accomplish. Sometimes a person gets a story, and you know what, it's not. I mean, maybe it wasn't so nice to hear his father was the carpenter, and he's not, he's not the hero in that story. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that that boy did not feel alone. He did not feel abandoned. He felt like Hashem was with him. Yosef, even though the, the destiny of his life, at that moment, it wasn't so great. Things were not going rosy. It wasn't peaches and cream. He was being sold. But even in that moment, he felt that this was matan secharan shel tzadikim. That this is how the tzadikim live. That God is with them. That they see Hashem's hand. Sometimes people, I think they live lives that are too black and white. They're either happy or sad. Hashem's either with them or against them. But you know what? Even if you lost your pain even if things didn't go well, did you notice the kind of knife? Sometimes something needs to be removed, but you could be stabbed and ripped open, or it could happen in a way where you have some other money to get you through this tough time. It's not what you want. Matan tzchalan shal person had to lose their job, but the boss comes in and says to them, look, I have to let you go. But you're a great worker. I'm gonna make sure to write you a fantastic recommendation. I'm gonna set you up. It didn't have to go that way. There didn't have to be roses in the back of the kidnapped vehicle. And the rich and the strong guy doesn't have to be playing baby shark. Notice, notice how the cut is happening. Most of the time people tell me things are either going good or they're going bad. But maybe we should change our words. Maybe the question is, are things going haphazard or precise? Because in precise, in order, you see intent. And in intent, you see the fingers of God. Guiding a person to where he needs to go. My friends, I think this idea is maybe one of the most powerful I've ever shared with you. The concept that a person is not either happy or sad. Odecha Adonai ki initani. The Malbim writes, I praise you Hashem ki initani. Most people think it means that you answered me. That's where one one opinion goes, like la'anot. But another opinion comes from the word la'anot. I thank you, Hashem, ki'initani. velo simachta o'ivaili. Think about that pasuk, says the malbim. I thank you, Hashem, initani, Because you got me. Because you hurt me. But you know what? I noticed that when you hurt me, velo simachta o'ivaili. Normally when I get hurt, my enemy got a big smile on his face. This time he was like, oi. Hope things turn, turn out good for you. That little sign is a ray of sunshine that peeks through the clouds. And let me ask you this: Is the evidence of a sun any smaller when there is a shaft of light cutting through dark clouds than when there are no clouds at all? In either scenario, don't you know that there's a sun? <laughs> this idea that you can be happy and sad I think one of the reasons why people are depressed today is because no one has taught them the concept of nuance so they're either happy or sad if they have to choose one they'll choose sad and if they choose sad then they choose to ignore all the bad things like she tells someone oh it's amazing they're like are you kidding? it's amazing? you know know." I'm not saying I don't see what you're talking about I get it But couldn't it be worse? Couldn't it be worse? Notice the precision here. Notice the, the, you know, and it's funny, I always thought to myself, you know what, when the sun shines through the clouds and you get that ray of light, ironically, you know what they call that? They call that the fingers of God. If only we could learn from that expression, the fingers of God. The fingers of God are there on cloudy days too. Nuance is so important, because you could be happy all the days of your life, even on the days that you're sad. You could have hope even on the days that you're hopeless. It's remarkable, right? You can love even when you hate. It's fascinating. All of this is part of this idea that Yosef HaTzadik could see in getting sold down the river, he could see, ah, Matansharan s'charan sadikim. Wow, look at how Hashem rewards the righteous. Baruch Hashem, in nefes zamim. <laughs> Shut up back there. <laughs> You're appreciating this? All right, may Hashem bless us uh, with the gift of nuance. May He allow us to see His fingers poking through the clouds. Baruch Hashem, l'olam, amen